Hey, welcome to Movie Marathon with Murph and Mike. Today we are we are near the finish of our very canon Christmas run. Uh, we're going to talk about the 1986 movie Invaders from Mars. Good morning, Michael. <laughs> Good morning, Murph. <laughs> we are uh, uh, a week out from Christmas. Uh, I know. <laughs> a little alien invasion. Uh, <laughs> very appropriate for the season just for just for the season uh well we we will end on a very topical movie with uh new year's evil which we'll touch on at the end of this but uh but yeah watching invaders from mars that did not feel very uh christmas spirit <laughs> no we probably messed up it should have done like invasion usa <laughs> that is a christmas that... movie yeah <laughs> it takes place over christmas because the whole that whole climax in the mall uh is around a guy trying to place fake uh christmas packages <laughs> as, a, as a bomb to blow people up uh this is why we're amateurs <laughs> well, sitting I, right there <laughs> the fact that we just didn't do invader uh invasion usa is telling me we're amateurs already yeah yeah we, i mean we're just saving it for next year <laughs> that's it more of a, a 2023 christmas movie <laughs> yeah i mean but fuck by the time we do it that movie's gonna be almost 40 years old which is crazy <laughs> <laughs> Oh uh, yeah, we, we should be saving it for like the 40th anniversary. <laughs> yeah, that's coming in 2025. <laughs> nice, that's going to be also, a, a big moment for the country. <laughs> also, <laughs> also a Joseph Zito uh, uh, movie, I think. Also, would have been perfect. Is, isn't that uh, that's filmed in Atlanta? In what it kept yeah, our, <laughs> right I from think... cyborg into invasion. USA, oh yeah, that's right. Destroying yeah. portions of Atlanta. Yeah, apparently it was shot. The, uh, they blow up a neighborhood about halfway through that, and apparently they were going to blow up this neighborhood anyway or destroy it because it was near Hartsfield uh, Airport. And they were they were. Uh, why do I know this offhand? I, I didn't even research this. Yeah, I, 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 know, I, I know. I know this as well. So it's bizarre. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's like what important shit am I not using my brain for that's being occupied by Invasion USA trivia? Yep. Uh, but yeah, it's, they were tearing down this neighborhood, and so Golem Globus. Uh, cut a deal to basically like, well, we'll blow up the neighborhood if you let us shoot something here before you you tear the whole thing down. So uh, that's how you love cannon. <laughs> when you watch them blowing up actual houses, like it's okay because those houses have been abandoned and like they're actually going to be destroyed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So uh, uh, I love that movie. So invaders from Mars. Invaders from Mars. <laughs> so keeping uh keeping the movie marathon going here. Of uh, <laughs> um, it's uh, there's an original. Oh God. Talking about uh, what should have researched and have in my brain. Originally, like 40s, 50s sci-fi movie, Invaders yeah. from Mars. I've seen a couple times. Um, I really like is very good. It's this definitely borrows visually from it that iconic fence, like uh weaving fence with that dirt path. Up is over the hill to where like, the kind of an iconic image from the original that they borrow for this. Um, I'm glad you told me that because I was gonna be critical of that. And then you're like, Well, I think yeah. they're, they're trying to make an illusion. They're, it looks and it it does look it looks fake, mm -hmm. but I think that's intentional because they're trying to not yeah. do not the original. But I also think this is definitely a movie intended for a kid audience, and so I think they're making some choices to try to have it not be scary, to have it be fun for kids, and not <laughs> like heighten a real world of terror, but like give some. Where if you're a kid watching it, you can be like, oh, it's a little like fake, a little exaggerated. It's not quite the real world, um, but more of a, a dreamlike world. Well, it turns out it's neither fun nor scary. <laughs> <laughs> um, I had some fun with it. There are parts I enjoy. 
Hey, um, well, all right. So what's the premise of this? So you said this is, is, does this follow the original of the sort of a body snatchers, but for yeah, kids pretty closely. Concept? It's, it's basically the same premise to start again. <laughs> Uh, during a storm one night sees uh, what he thinks is like a something but a UFO spaceship land behind this hill and his dad goes down the path and he comes back and he started acting a little different and weird um, and uh, it's the kind of pod people he's like obviously been taken over by an alien and slowly the other like adults um, around this kid start exhibiting the same behavior and he notices like this thing on the back of their neck uh, where and so it's kind of it's classic like uh invasion of the body snatchers over where it's someone trying to warn everybody of like aliens are taking people over like we got to do something and then they like just run into people who have already been taken over who are now chasing after them um, and in the original he does i know we have some thoughts about this but he does team up um i think what ends up with two adults um if i remember right and a little girl who kind of are working together um to try to take down and stop this this plot and these movies i find always struggle to stick the landing in a unless you're gonna do um the classic invasion of the body snatchers where it's like um everyone's being taken over still and like it's not like they didn't defeat anything it's still but in this where you're trying to have them defeat the, the trying to have them win it's more of a kids movie that's a hard one to do because how do you have a kid be like intergalactic aliens who <laughs> have taken over all like the authority figures in his life well it turns out it's not that hard for david <laughs> <laughs> yeah and that's where yeah, i think this job. movie you just like go get in the military <laughs> he does and he goes <laughs> yeah it, this is it's just funny uh i i think i like the concept of the of what they were doing and i, I kind of it makes me it did make me want to watch the the original i think it's a 1953 film of the same name but um it does because it's a canon movie you can feel where it, maybe they would have cut like if, if they had made this maybe 30 minutes longer this was longer for a canon movie i think it was like what like an hour 40 which is which is pretty good for them like that usually yeah. they're like an hour uh, 90 minutes max really like more like 88 85 minutes um <clears throat> if this is probably 30 minutes longer and maybe a little bit more of a, a build-up to the to the turns by the parents and the other adults i feel like it would have landed better with me um but i, I you know i i <laughs> Also, because it's a canon film, I do think some of the actors and acting choices in this don't do it any favors. Yeah, uh, they, James they, Karen being one. Of them. <laughs> they spent money on it, but they did. Um, twelve it, it was, was twelve million. Yeah, yeah, 12 it was million. more geared towards um, the special effects and uh, kind of creating these alien creatures. And because um, I think it's John Dykstra's on special effects, Dan Winston. Yeah. So there is some real talent um, working on it. And I think that was where the focus and the money got put. And the cast is pretty good. So I think they spent, uh, in some roles, <laughs> I think they spent on um, some pretty solid actors as part of the cast. Um, I, um, I, David, the character David Gardner is the main character, left me a little flat. I, I think it's funny because in the same time frame, if you look at uh, E.T. and you've got 
Henry Thomas, and then you've got uh um uh oh Michael froze. Uh oh. Okay, we're back from technical problems. Uh but yeah, so I, I think uh the in the same time period of kind of like Henry Thomas and ET, uh the David Gardner uh, kid kind of left me a little a little flat. Also the Goonies. The Goonies was a year before this, and you have just tons of sort of personality and talent and that. So I wish they had a little bit more charismatic. This, is, this sounds like such a shitty thing to say. I wish they had a slightly more charismatic kid for, for the for the <laughs> well, role. Uh, being, acting's hard, and then being a kid on top of that's in a mo- major mo- motion picture is probably pretty hard. So, well, uh, two years before this, um, so it's his name's uh, Hunter Carson. Um, David Gardner is yeah. David Gardner is the character. He, okay, sorry, I'm straining it out in my head. <laughs> so he plays. Uh, so no, so he. Um, he's in this this great movie called Paris, Texas, two years before, yeah. where he gives a great kid performance. Um, just his name in that movie is Hunter as well. So I was like, wait, what is the character name and what? Uh, um, with um, which is a great Harry Dean Stanton performance as well in that movie. Yeah. Um, that. So I feel this kid had, but it's also for a kid like two years later. Like he may have been a great actor or like a great five year old or a great seven year old. And then you grow up a little bit, like voice changes or shit. like you could see for a kid of like you didn't hit them at the right age. That <laughs> yeah, that's that's fair. They had um more <clears throat> of a just a they've portrayed more believably like this age of kid as opposed to an older and this he has a lot more of agency and action of he's basically the kind of lead action star almost yeah Um, so he's got there's a lot on him in this yeah you're depending on him to carry a lot of the movie and i think that's that was probably a mistake uh uh, of the movie but uh but yeah anyway sorry i'm I'm not being hypercritical of a fucking kid that's that's not good um Um, but uh his (laughs) which made so much sense when i read this uh his mom is karen black um, mm. who is the, yeah because they have some weird chemistry in this the, that makes a lot more who sense. is the lead where she plays a nurse in this who is kind of his ally who he goes to um he turns to for help um when <coughs> these other his parents his teacher and stuff start getting taken over and so she kind of helps him um but they have a bizarre chemistry where like there's a time they're like hiding together on like on like a bed and like they're really like <laughs> It's intimate. very intimate, yeah. <laughs> and, it, and it was like this feels weird. It's like, oh, it's Michael, come back to me. And we're back again. All right, we're talking about <laughs> episode of technical errors. Um we're talking about the the dynamic though between Karen Black and her son uh, Hunter Carson. I think you and I both had the same experience of like um, it felt at times like they were putting them into situations that were made for two adults. Like the, the there's intimacy. a romantic subplot yeah. about to break out. Um, yeah, but then like it's also a ten year old kid or something like that. Yeah, forty five year old, <laughs> and it's just their level of physical intimacy was. Like it's like this is just a, the nurse at his school. Like they, like they're really quickly like getting. Uh, it's like oh okay, it's the kid acting with his mom, so he makes feels more sense. comfortable. Like much more comfortable. Yeah, yeah. getting into uh, yeah. 
we're gonna get into some Oedipus Rex type of shit with this, <laughs> this medical overtone. Um, <laughs> <This> yes. <movie. laughs> Yeah, I did yeah, not that, expect that from Invaders from Mars. <laughs> I didn't either, and I don't remember. From, I, so I guess that's what we didn't talk about. Like my history with this was, I probably watched this on a Saturday afternoon as a kid, probably around Halloween. Um, and I liked it as a kid. I remember it scared the shit out of me because the whole idea you couldn't trust your parents was such a scary idea. Yeah. When I was, and I probably watched it when I was probably about ten. You know, about about the age of the main character. So that seems like the right age. Yeah. For this, yeah. And it's not, like you said, it's never scary enough that it's, you know, gonna be, I think, I think to me, the concept of it was more scary than what they, what they introduced later on is the aliens. The aliens were never that like terrifying. It's just, it's the idea. Yeah, that I think it's a conscious adults. choice to make it kid friendly, <clears throat> to not give kids nightmares of these aliens, but to have the fear be like, oh, what if your parents were like, were changed? You, you couldn't you trust couldn't... them couldn't trust him couldn't do anything about it because yeah. the other main person who comes after him is his teacher which is kind of the other another big authority figure in a kid's life who yeah um mrs nurse ratchet i think is <laughs> yeah so louise fletcher uh in a a great performance which uh conti- we're continuing our trend mm-hmm. she passed away <clears throat> a couple months ago so we're just uh <laughs> another plays... another canon movie where someone died recently although i guess when you're doing movies that are like almost 40, 40 years old, years old people, like, people are already people 40 are gonna... and they're doing them yeah but um but yeah so she's famous uh one flew over the cuckoo's nest and a bunch of other stuff i know her um well i mean i know her from one flew over the cuckoo's nest and many other things she's been in but she always sticks out to me uh from star trek deep space nine because <laughs> she she plays um on this alien planet she's like a pretty big person in their religion but she uses that there's like a lot of hypocrisy and like her character and a lot of like holier than thou kind of approach to things to like force people to like how to do um to go along with her of like well like you don't want to do this you so you don't believe in like you don't believe in our religion um and so it's like a character you just hate so much because like you've dealt with like people like that in your life um, who kind of use religion as their springboard to power? I feel but, bad for her because I, I think uh, she's probably a nice person. She she plays a lot of oh, she always terrible plays, like, people. Yeah, people you want to hate, uh, which she's great at it. Uh, <laughs> she is. I mean, it's a talent. I and give she's her that. fantastic in this. Um, <laughs> as just at this point in her career, I think she's just like, oh, I can knock that role like out in my sleep of just like the threatening, unlikable teacher. Yeah, I feel like she was probably the acting high point of this, just because. She knew how to play yeah. it when both when she and then spoiler alert she gets turned uh, like halfway through this. Um, <laughs> well, also, not shocking the the one like Oscar winner in the cast was was the best actor in it. Was the, was the big heel turn in this? Yeah, <laughs> I uh, <clears throat> I think she's she's probably the the high point just because she has to sell a lot even when she's not given a lot. I think she has uh, to sell eating a frog. <laughs> Well, she has to sell eating a frog, and then she has to sell being eaten by what looks like a, a walking <laughs> trash can later on, too, which yeah. I'm going to talk about. <laughs> I, uh, but no, I, so I, I, there, there's some, there's a couple things in this. So you know, again, the premise is is uh, basically aliens invading, hence from Mars uh, invading uh, any town USA, and starting to take over people's bodies. I didn't quite get it, but the dad works for NASA. <clears throat> And they try and explain something with it later, but it's too late to like set it up. I guess the dad's working on some sort of space program to launch a, a, a rocket to to Mars. To Mar- yeah, and they, 
And they, I guess, that's their thinking. That, like, oh, that's why they're coming because they piss don't. Them off. Yeah, they don't want us to go up there. Um, <laughs> like, they're oh, yeah. I don't know. Like, I, uh, I, I, I'll, I'll admit, I missed all of the the setup for that. But the dad's the dad's a uh, um, uh, works at NASA, and uh, his son David <laughs> is also into astronomy and, and space stuff as, as well. And, yeah. So, <laughs> sorry. I was oh, thinking about the it. opening scene. And um, I'm cursing. Yeah. Oh shit. They're like watching um like shooting yeah, stars or meteor. something. <laughs> yeah. They're both like swearing like sailors. It's hilarious. It's like this little kid and his dad. And it's like, what is happening? <laughs> yeah, I would have gotten spanked if I did that when I was that kid's age, like just cursing openly. And my parents <laughs> would have never cursed like that in front of me either. Like, yeah. Like it's never would have happened. I uh yeah, that was a very strange, like I, I guess felt- that's a choice to like appeal to kids like they just have bad language and you like immediately pull a 10 year old into a movie. I guess, or, or maybe they're just trying to show that David and his dad are both so consumed and interested in space stuff that like he does it and doesn't even like face his dad. Cause he feels the same. Like they're, yeah. they're both so into it. So or kind of a shortcut. So they have like a close relationship yeah. and our friends are like, yeah. Of- yeah. Which they kind of, they kind of play the, the family at the beginning. Like it's a, uh, um, what do you call it? Oh man, I was going to make this joke and I, <laughs> fucking flubbed it. Uh, that is the best when you're like, oh, oh, I have God. a joke. I think it's gonna be pretty good, but it's gonna take me another 45 seconds to put it all together. <laughs> no, I, I just immediately forgot what was on ABC on Friday nights when we were kids. TGIF. Yeah, it's like a TGIF family. Like, like, like everything <laughs> oh, yeah, is great. Their mm-hmm. family's perfect. The mom, I guess, the mom is she a teacher too? No, she's not a teacher, but uh, that's a good doctor? question. I- they keep referring to her and her kids or she has something like she has to take care of. But then, oh, you're right. You're right. I, I don't remember anything about like how they pay it off as to but, what. Yeah, she is kind of set up as. But she's not at the school when. But, when yeah, it's not, it, and it feels like a lost through line. Yeah, probably. It's canon movie. Like, it's, that's always the explanation. Yeah. <laughs> it, it didn't make any sense. Ah, it's canon. Um, so yeah, dad, dad works for NASA. And I guess he's the first to go. He, he goes up over the hill that night that that david sees something and then comes back and he's acting weird the next morning and he's got yeah and it's a good visual visual effect i said it's like something out of a cronenberg movie it looks like that's exactly the thing in the back of their neck that shows like oh they've had this like alien device implanted and then that's controlling them um it's like it's fucking like gross body horror stuff yeah i did laugh when david notices it on his dad and then it's before he puts the bandages before any of them start putting bandages on because he's like dad this, what's wrong with your neck i'm like oh it looks like somebody took like a like a fucking hot knife and shoved it into your <laughs> yeah. neck it's like it's not like clean or it's not subtle it's like you have problems like for the bad problems <laughs> yeah. also i was wondering is the other bandages there as like a as like sanitary reasons to protect an open wound or are they oh, trying no, to hide, I think are they trying to like hide it it's like it's still just as glaring it's like yeah. hey, guess what guess what dumbasses everyone who has a bandage <laughs> on the back of their neck now pretty suspicious yeah that's i i, I like that part because i'm like but you're right the first one it, it is like i thought it, it's like cronenberg level stuff of like yeah something out of like well you said existence but i was like i, I was thinking there's something it reminded me of from scanners and i just can't think of what it was but it made oh, me I think of oh that. I know. I think I know what you said. But in his most recent uh, Crimes of the Future is pretty very body horror intensive. And it's <laughs> very much could be out of that. <laughs> Same I'm, thing. Yeah. yeah, it's like it's it is gross. It, it looks nasty as shit. And did he, you said Stan Winston? Did he do the makeup and effects yeah. for this? I mean, that's that's so I, I guess that's why it's looking like it looks pretty good. good. <laughs> like, like like a real like 
um but yeah so i i do enjoy the, the dad turning I, I i made fun of i, I in my notes it, i i still will i'll stand by my favorite thing and maybe laugh the hardest when i was watching this was when uh the dad turns um david's uh trying realizes something's wrong his dad's creeping him out and trying to get him to go over this thing over the hill in their backyard i think it's what called copper hill which that'll come back later oh yeah <laughs> that would and uh <clears throat> um but is that should be the name if it's not because uh, i think i think that's spoiler thing. alert the aliens are here for the copper <laughs> and just <laughs> copper they're uh, here for for david's penny collection <laughs> <laughs> which they they do a great job setting that up for absolutely no reason um other than a really bad payoff <laughs> uh but yeah I, I liked david escapes his dad goes to work and then david comes home that night and they can't find his dad and uh, sorry i should have mentioned i missed this you caught it there is a Life Force cameo when David yes. turns the TV on. <laughs> yeah, so David comes up and turns the TV on. His Life Force is on TV, and I was like, I have a lot of questions about uh, the which part is he watching? Because there's a lot of nudity. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, David, you're about an hour too late. They're already already past all the nudity. <laughs> the entire climax of that is two people climaxing while being transported back to yeah, Mars. true. So I'm not really sure that's get appropriate. <laughs> I'm not sure how you play that on like just Saturday, Tuesday afternoon television. Yeah. Yeah, they had to cut a lot of that movie out. Um, uh, no, that's yeah, incomprehensible. I laughed my ass off though, because David, they call the police because David's mom hasn't turned yet, and they don't know where his dad is. And they go in the backyard. Excuse me. And David and his like this his other like work buddy, who's obviously been turned, <laughs> both just come out of the bushes together, and they're both being weird, and it's it's dark, and it's like. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's two men having sex behind your house in the bushes. It's like, <laughs> the, yeah, he's been missing aliens. for 12 just... hours and just comes out of the woods with the work yeah. buddy. It's yeah, like, I think it's it's like, uh... two guys who were probably in the closet in 1986. They were having sex in the woods. It's like, that's how it plays. Not, not, not how it plays. Of them it's being creepy. In this movie is a metaphor for <laughs> it is. It's, it's now a metaphor for, for people's sexuality and needing to embrace it. But yeah, I, I, that part just cracked me up. Cause it's like, hello, David, this is my friend from work. He's like, hello, David. <laughs> All right. Like, there. Well, I guess I'll see you later, Steve. And I'm gonna go to. I'll, I'll see you at work tomorrow. Okay. <laughs> Just wanders off. And part of this, I kind of want to show this to my nine year olds. Um, <clears throat> it, it feels like a lot of the choices they're making are for that audience. Of, I think you're right. We don't want to be too ambiguous with who's been taken over. Like, we want the nine year olds in the audience to pick out. Like, oh, they get taken over by aliens. So they're really making it clear. Whereas I think for an adult audience, it kind of like just hits you over the head. Yeah. With some I, things that that well, you, you don't you would be better left subtle for and well, you mentioned this was supposed to be a kids' movie, and it's funny because the way it sits with me is it seems like it never understands what it wants to be. Um it, there's times where it feels like it goes back and forth between being a kids' movie and being a true just uh, outright horror movie and I, I think like the some of the setup is for kids but then some of the monster stuff feels a little bit for adults but then it goes back to like the stakes never feel that high because it's for kids i don't know it's it's tough right i think that that's right the movie lost me a bit was i think it suffers from just being boring and that's that's probably the biggest and, indictment i could give it and, yeah, I, and I get I, I, as an adult i get why but and for an adult audience, the stakes never feel that high, I think, because very quickly in the movie, he has an adult ally, the nurse. 
And when it feels, when it gets to the point where it feels like, oh, she's no longer capable of helping, but like she's in over her head with this as well. It very quickly turns into they go to the military. And I assumed like, like the general was going to have already been taken over. And so like the military was going to be able to help. But nope, the military just immediately is like on top of things. That's how I I remember the movie was that they got there and that they'd already turned and they couldn't trust them. But then I mean, I haven't seen it in 30 years, but yeah, that yeah, that would have played better, I think. Um, and so, I mean, I, it leads to some fun sequences with the military of their where they're trying to invade into this spaceship. Oh, they invaded already. Battle, battle these aliens and there's a nice um, some explosions and stuff. So um, I, I don't necessarily mind where it goes with that. It's just for this kid who's supposed to kind of be our like our hero, our surrogate in the movie, or uh, you just wanted a little longer where you're like, oh man, how is this kid going to do this? Like, how is he going to figure it out? He's in like big trouble. Um, you never, you never quite have the threat to him. But again, that's probably a conscious choice to not have a, a children's movie be get too worried. This this kid's going to die. Yeah, I, I think. I think they couldn't quite figure out the tone and that was like you look at Goonies and I mean it's easy to pick on because it's such a good movie and it's a it's a classic but that year before this it's it's a kid focused I I guess you could kind of say suspense and it's good because they know when to play up the humor to let you know it's still a kid's movie and and help balance it but then what you're seeing is you're also seeing the Fratellis chase all the kids with guns and try and shoot at them and they're in very dangerous situations, but then they, they know how to play on the humor to help tell the audience, okay, it's it's not that bad, right? It's also Richard Donner and Steven Spielberg, right? So it's like that's yeah, this is kind of a two sort of, you know, I, mean, uh, I don't know. This is Toby Hooper. I mean that's hey, well, I I I I mean like and, you have, you have, and Golem and Globus. So maybe yeah. Uh, I was like there might be you know, like, the same as Spielberg have, producing. Yeah, who'd you rather have producing movie? Spielberg or Golem Globus? Um, yeah, I'll take I'll take uh, Stevie every time. Um, <laughs> but that's where I think it, it misses for me is it's, and I think it's, you're right. It's just as an adult, it's really hard to watch this and just be like, oh yeah, this is like something I should be invested in or suspenseful. I, I I'm gonna jump ahead a little bit, I think. But you, you had a pretty good idea. I think that fixes the whole thing. Is if you if you just have kids as the the allies that are trying to fight through this and you have some more skepticism from adults or you have some more pushback because they've turned i think it makes it a lot better movie or at least a much more interesting movie where for kids that is the scary part is truly there's nobody that'll listen to them but you're right like whenever they run into a a, a problem they just talk to people who haven't been turned by the aliens and they immediately yeah. believe them but they just immediately go to an authority figure who believes and them and just starts works. helping them and <laughs> yeah, it's just... like you never have that like rug pulled out of Oh no, and it's um I think they could he could have used that at least like once. Yeah. And I think that to your point, then it's like at the end the last act of this is not like a oh no man, can David get through this and defeat him? It's like, no, can the US Army defeat aliens? Like, <laughs> yeah. That's that's the fourth or third act of this is it's like no, that's not really that scary or challenging. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um yeah, to your point. I mean, I, I really thought Goonies or something like the Monster Squad. If you, I thought they should have gone that direction, um, not have the nurse character play such a big role, but have him 
have two or three friends that he's working with to try yeah. to do this. Um, and so if it's the two or three friends who are being thwarted, who are trying to get to like the military and they're being thwarted by the adults around them, that then I think would be like satisfying. Yeah. That they had to overcome something just as kids that would feel insurmountable. Like how do these kids get to this general for help? Yeah. Um, and that they actually achieve something. But it's when it's like, oh, like this adult showed up and was like, hey, I need to speak to this person. And they said, okay, well, he's free. We'll show you to his office. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, you're uh, Steve's kid? Or what's like, what was the dad's name? I, uh, I, I, I it. It's it's like it's um, George. So as soon yes. as David, George's son, is at this NASA or this military facility, they're like, oh, you're, you're uh, David, you're George's son? Oh, great. I'm going to treat you with the same level of respect and reverence as your dad, who's a fucking scientist. <laughs> <laughs> which, <laughs> which to talk about where I think they um, were struggling <sighs> of the where to be at, what level to be at with these kids and how to handle it or... There's uh, never a uh, doubt that David knows every answer in this by any of the other adults. <laughs> there's never like a, there's no skepticism. There's no questioning. There's no, they're just like, yeah, like everything is, is, is delivered and re- and accepted at face value, which is well, amazing. I, I think this wins my most candid moment of the movie. It's when he's talking with the general, a couple other big military people, maybe a couple scientists and like Karen Black, her character is Linda is there and she's like the school nurse. She's like gotten there. And she is the adult in this situation. <laughs> and like the military and the scientists are talking David about everything and ignoring her in a way that's very, very much like, well, we're not going to talk to the woman about this. And it's like, <laughs> God, Cannon, like even in this, you somehow. Oh, she gets diminished pretty bad in like the latter half of this movie. Like she, she, she has agency and she, she saves David a few times and she, she outsmarts the aliens a few times. Uh, and the first probably first act, maybe beginning of the second act. And then it's like once they in- introduce like a- other adult men, it's like she just becomes a blubbering idiot. Like she just yeah. screams a lot and she doesn't really have dialogue. It's weird how much they just yeah, it's like as it, soon as they have another adult to go to, they're like, great, drop her. Like we don't we don't need her as a character. And they're still trying. I think because they can't figure out how to make David the hero still. And now that no, she's there, right. it's like, well, she should be the one talking to all these people now, but it still wanted to be David. So then she just gets sidelined. Uh, yeah, it's, no, just... it's almost by, by virtue of, yeah, if they, if they want to keep David in the lead yeah. role, they, they have to do it. Because you're right. In a normal situation, the adult would take over. Yeah. Everything, <laughs> you know? like, but I mean, that's that's my favorite part is just James Karen. Well, James Karen's probably my favorite character in this just because he's his acting is just he is fucking big on everything he's doing. <laughs> And I love, and I love he plays the stuff. general. Yeah, he plays he plays General Clint. I think Clement Wilson. It's like all right, it feels like a Golan Globus. I mean, I'm curious if that's from the original, perhaps, but, or, or or if it's just Golan Globus. Like, yep, that's a oh, real American name. Yeah, let's <laughs> <Clement. laughs> Um, yeah, it's just funny to watch him act off of a kid, and and he doesn't change his his inflection or his tone or anything. He's just like. <laughs> That's just how he's going to act to every single person in this. I do want to talk about the the potential romance between General Wilson and uh, his number two, Rinaldi, because holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> There's something in, going on there. <laughs> yeah, he is into that guy. Man, holy, holy shit, he's into that guy. Rinaldi! <laughs> <laughs> not you, no! 
I, I love that. I love that shit where uh uh he he's I mean I give him credit, he's very concerned about his men, but to the point that it's like there's a weird relationship here that none of the other soldiers have seen going on between these two. Well, he's like his number two, but like yeah, in a way of like there, he's there like is thirty a, years thirty years younger than him, but he's there's a man two. crush one direction yeah. or the other or something of like something, yeah. I, uh, I I did enjoy that. I, James carried to me. There's just a bunch of stuff. There's a bunch of choices he made that throughout the movie that made me laugh. Like, um, I I worked for a bunch of people who were who were former former military and and um, I've also probably played. And this is a not a good way to th- say this. Enough Call of Duty and and uh, what do you call it? Uh, Battlefield games. Like, I have a better idea of like, okay, this is probably like sort of common dialogue you'd hear from people in combat. <laughs> And there's a scene where James Karen's like, it's like a slow cut into uh, uh, David's face, but then it's James Karen trying to, uh, trying to, hello. I brought you a blanket. Thank you. <laughs> Thank uh, you. I... I'll wear it in my lap like FDR. <laughs> Sorry, my wife brought me a blanket. You can come say hi. You're, you're going to be. Hey, Adam. Like, you got to lean in. I like to uh, just see Chuck Norris. <laughs> yeah, you see Chuck Norris with my background. No. Uh, Thank you for on. the Christmas card. You're not there. There's my background. Oh, nice. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Um. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, uh, James Karen's like, he's in the background. Like it's like when they're about to attack the aliens, and it's just like you hear him giving out uh, uh, instructions, and it sounds like they're just like, here's some buzzwords you just need to say. <laughs> He's like, he's like, Alpha Team, go set up your field of fire. Bravo Team, go set up your field of command. And it's like he just keeps saying like the same like words, but in like it, different arrangements of the words. <laughs> and it's like doesn't actually mean anything. And the delivery inflection are all very similar. Yeah, in like, a, like in a way where it's like, oh, like it's really laugh, I'm like, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> it's <laughs> hilarious. I do think too that um should speak that. This is uh Dan O'Bannon was a writer, right? And then yeah. Toby Hooper was supposed to do I don't know, I'm sorry, we should have talked in this way earlier than me complaining about James yeah. Karen. James Karen was uh one of the, the lead actors in Return of the Living Dead, which came out the year before this. And uh thank you. And uh what made me laugh was um uh James Karen uh uh or no, sorry, Toby Hooper was supposed to direct that, and it was a Dan O'Bannon written movie yes and then toby hooper got this with canon and i think he had to drop it was either this or life force i think it was life force yeah i guess 80 85 yeah it's probably about right for the timing to film it and uh so um o'bannon ends up taking over directing return of the living dead which i love i think that's a great movie um a lot of fun actually you and i covered it on our sort of dry run for (laughs) for podcasting (laughs) Uh, probably do it here at some point. Um, so it's interesting that you've you've got a lot of people, a lot of talent coming over from that movie, which which works really well. And then here, it's it's weird how, and you're right. I I, I like Toby Hooper a lot, but it's like the pieces just don't fit together right for whatever reason. Like the tone never kept me, and the pacing never kept me engaged. But I, I, I yeah, it, it sucks it's... with the amount of talent you actually have attached to this. And, yeah, it felt like, and, and, hey, there's some talent in the, obviously, the script writing on it, um, but it did feel like something in the script just didn't fully come together 
and then, and then and maybe it did maybe the directing it just didn't they just didn't capture whatever spirit they were going for and mm-hmm. that... it, it feels like maybe they cut stuff or it just ju- it's just it, because there's no there's no pushback by any of the adults other than they've turned that's what makes it kind of boring is like there's no you said earlier there's no tension there's no resistance to uh to make you feel the character is going to have this this challenge point coming down the road with having to deal with other you know with, with, there's no conflict the conflict is you already know it's aliens and pretty early on yeah. they show you the aliens and then it's yeah. just like okay how are they going to manage it and there's That's no it. real there's no like, real twist to that everything no, kind of proceeds no. pretty i mean i guess the one thing is the copper and that's not that big of a reveal of like and i i actually had it in my head they that, want copper they can use copper for weapons or yeah and they do have a good setup of at the end and they show it uh the the this big extremely ominous uh injection thing like needle that they use to inject uh into people's brainstem that whatever that control device is right I had it in my head that when they were escaping, um, what's her name? Linda, the, the nurse, hmm. actually gets tagged, but they don't ta- they can't tell because they're trying to get out of there because they're, they're trying to blow up the space. Yeah. Right. So uh, I actually had it in my head that, that she well, it turned, feels like that would have been a more interesting turn yeah. if they'd done that. Well, it feels like that's still possible. Like Yeah. It was like it almost was um like there could be like an end credits or like a, just a, like a little um I'm forgetting the name of it but a little hit at the very end where he like he goes to see her at school and it reveals that like oh she did it did get her or something. or something yeah um and that uh, so to the point where I was wondering I wonder if they did that was in the script or they did because they leave it kind of vague if she actually had it done it if yeah. I remember right um so <laughs> Uh, while you were, as I, I was researching some stuff, I was just I'm working on a theory. While well, I was talking um, to my wife off camera for about five yeah. minutes <laughs> over a blanket and coffee. Uh, apparently, I'm a homeless person <laughs> sitting in my own garage. Did uh, did Toby Hooper um, kill Cannon? He may have because he was tied to some of their bigger. I mean, we, we forgot to mention it, actually. But to- he, he also we already talked about. Uh, in an earlier episode that he was the director of um, Life Force. Yeah, was, so Life Force, big budget, lost a ton of money. This, this I mean, for Canon, a pretty big Life budget yeah. and yeah. lost a bunch of money. Um, this next one, he, they do um, Texas Chainsaw get... Massacre 2. That... And that, I looked up, had a $4 million budget and did $8 million box office. So not like... That's not like a bad... I haven't seen the whole thing. I've seen um, big chunks of it. That's not bad, but it, I will tell you, they also were really smart that for a horror franchise that they figured out the tone of like let's not go super dark like there's some humor in it and it's and it 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 works pretty well as a sequel because it's not trying it's taking the lore of the first one but it's injecting some humor and you've also got some pretty good talent behind behind the the camera and you've got dennis dennis hopper is like the lead yeah i just at least that's something they didn't lose money on with Cooper of um that is just he's like oh like these because this is not far from um canon they kind of going bankrupt and no because the next the next year they solely these, masters of the universe yeah i don't think it's solely these toby hooper but they certainly uh certainly well, didn't help anything <laughs> let's see because timing i think superman 4 came out in 86 i think and that was a 
that didn't actually lose money, but there was a lot of frustration because they, they literally have the budget. Uh, and then I think it was like a $30 million budget and they, they halved it to about 17. Oh, God. And well, Explains but I, <laughs> to, to their credit, the box office for that movie was like 34, 34 million. So they actually were like, not dumb. I think to their credit, they actually had some business sense. Um, the movie's just, the movie itself is just bad. And, yeah. Chris, apparently Christopher Reeve <laughs> signed on. So he could, he could, only if he got a big salary and if he could produce another movie um, and then uh, uh, they could have a, a through a through plot of uh, of um, uh, nuclear disarmament, which is, again, most of the premise of that movie. So, it, it, they so, just, yeah, so I, IMDb has the budget 17, but has a box office of 15 for Superman. But, four? Yeah. Oh, shit. OK. But I, I think know. I read Wikipedia. That's stuff. Yeah. Nah. Uh, you never quite know for sure. I always, when you go in, um, that, I, that uh, far on stuff of, but, but yeah, you're, you're right. This, this, this was a, probably a pretty big disappointment. And then it, it's just tough. You think about probably their, their biggest spending movies. Life force is the year before this or yeah. Know, two years, two uh, Wikipedia has 36 million box office. Okay. Interesting. Maybe it's maybe it's just gross uh, domestic on the on, on IMDb. So that's okay, that's worldwide box office was thirty six million. Mm. So fifteen was domestic. Okay. Yeah, exactly, but, exactly. That's still money. Like, yeah. <laughs> so, um, but I mean, they were. I, I don't blame them. I mean, they, they 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 slashed it at the last second. They slashed the budget, and that's probably not a bad choice. Um, but yeah, I mean, to, I don't think Toby Hooper's to blame. It's just no. no I think um, it's weird. Like. Their formula is being like a few degrees off on everything just enough that it doesn't quite work with what a big, big studio movie would be. And it's, I feel bad, like after we've talked about all of this, because we're like, they're cl- cyborg, cyborg notwithstanding, because that's, <laughs> that's, that's like a, a Hail Mary, like a sh- shitty Hail Mary, right? But a lot of these are just like hair off if they had just had a little more talent. On, on writing it or maybe not maybe not cutting it down too much it feels like they would have had something much more popular like 50 52 pickups a good example of like there's some a lot of really talented people in that and it's like the writer was extremely talented at least the story original story is based on the writer was very talented you've got frankenheimer you've got scheider uh you've got a young john glover it, there's just a lot of really talented people in that movie and it doesn't and i think what you get there it's but i think it gets weird. closest because i think that's what you get when you have like frankenheimer yeah fair. directing it um and i think it reminds me a lot of and i, I don't know how mm-hmm. but a lot of times watching like netflix produced movies i have the same feeling of this would be like like there's a reason the movie studios are like the movie studios and like this would have gone through one more something and would something. be 10 percent better or more polished or and it feels similar to that of like, oh, like there's a reason the studios like kind of take their time and really look at things. So like whereas Canon's just like pushing, go, 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 go. And you just end up where it's like, oh, they just didn't, they just needed like six more months spread throughout this production process of just a little more time, a little more thought, a little more structure. Um to just and and yeah, they're just not going to do that. And so it leads to what you're talking about, I think, of 
basically like, oh, it's like so close to like <laughs> being this, but that's kind of like the charm of these that like you it don't is. want everything to be like this polished studio product. Um because you end up with the like, bizarre, crazy choices that are super <laughs> duper fun. Yeah, I, we were, I I think if this was just a down the middle of the road movie, we probably wouldn't be talking about it in the first place. Just because it's not, you know, if Canon was just a 1980s version of Sony or something like that, we probably wouldn't be talking about it. But yeah, no, <laughs> you're you're not wrong. It's just it is a shame when you see how much how close they were in terms of getting everything and nailing it down. I mean, the, what's interesting is like, I don't think Golan and Globus in the moment were trying to create the, everything they felt like they were trying to do was derivative of, they saw something else that worked and they're trying to replicate that. Get back. The yeah. irony was like, they didn't really create what they were after, or at least not to the full extent they maybe wanted to realize it. But in the process, they did sort of invent and, and, and build th- these this weird American action, <laughs> you know, sort of lore of, of like, they're probably responsible for a lot of the reason that karate is as popular as it is. In the, <laughs> 1980s, uh, the prevalence of movies and action movies. Yeah. Um, well, they made Chuck Norris's career, I think in the 1980s. I mean, Chuck Norris was already you know, somewhat famous, but, but like, they, they really skyrocketed. Yeah. They kind of made Chuck Norris, Chuck Norris. Yeah. To like, a... yeah. And I think for this movie, it's a good mm-hmm. point of, with the kid that like you talked about, of like, oh, like the Goonies, that's a big hit. Like, we're gonna kind of, and it's like, but we're only gonna hire one child actor to like, um, to prominently feature the because we're not gonna spend the money in the production time to have like four kid actors. Um, I like think slows yeah. things down too much for our for our formula. Spoiler alert: If I was gonna spend ten percent of the budget, which was actually, I don't even think you need ten percent of the budget. Um, if I was going to spend 10% of the budget, though, I would probably put in like a Drew Barrymore at this age. It's okay. like the, the nice. counter, the counterpoint to David. Yeah. And, I and think they have a little somebody... girl in it, but she's like a, a bad guy, like an antagonist to David. Imme- immediately, like immediately an antagonist. Uh, and a and nice, that, it... that could have yeah. been an opportunity to set her up as like a, there's a dynamic that they have to work through, but they they trust each other and they're friends by the end of this, right? That would have been a nice journey uh, for yeah. the yeah to like they become friends and like he like wins her over to his side of like yeah something's going on here so she eventually joins it and like yeah nice little arc for their character path he makes a friend he uh, yeah no I, that's and you don't have an adult believing or buying to their story immediately so that that that's the yeah that's... there's some skepticism even if it's yeah. from like another kid of <laughs> of this insane situation. Uh, speaking of insane, I was looking up the. Uh, I was trying to figure out, I was like Drew Barrymore's age about this time, and I was looking at the Firestarter IMDb. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like we really got to do that one at some point. I was like, there's yeah, so much stuff I forgot about with yeah, um, nah. George C. Scott playing a Native American. A, yeah, it's like, bananas. Oh my guy <laughs> playing a Native American. Heather Locklear's in it as the mom, uh, and it was just a right. picture of, of her with her hands on fire. <laughs> like Jesus Christ! Yeah, she's not in it much, but it's <laughs> uh, George C. Scott plays John Rainbird. My God, yeah, and it's... Louise Fletcher's in that too. Really? Fuck, I forgot about. Yeah, oh man, I completely forgot that. Is she? Uh, she's is she like one of the nurses? So we've, we've now made. I've like, now tied this full circle. Is so she like this the <laughs> the wife and that like family they find and like a farm they go to? I think you're right. I think you're right. That's the only character I can 
checking my brain of no uh, you're right because i'm looking at the husband the husband in that and i think there's there those are the people who sort of uh protect her slash take her in at the very end but yeah i, I really want to cover that movie again yeah i, I, uh, do. I um uh yeah so at the end of this they get so there's some the army goes and there's some pretty cool effects in this that um you walk out across um the copper hill or whatever and like but there's this big sand area and copper aliens, hill turns out sand pit yeah the <laughs> aliens really can like suck you down into the sand um and it's pretty cool effects that it, it works it's like a little quicksand pit that quickly like pulls you in. i like that yeah i think it looks yeah really it cool. is effective it looks good um and then you can see the money spent on that kind of stuff um but so the army comes and they're gonna try to blow up one of these things like have it pull a bomb in and blow it up so they can get access into here um and the really really awesome shot in this they blow this sand up and it makes this like giant cloud um, but the way they shoot it is you have these like army guys who have been like trying to run away from getting pulled in as the bomb's about to go off. And like you see them and it explodes and like the cloud of dust like slowly takes over like the entire screen. But you still have like the army guys like running away from it. Um, and it was like, wow, that's like a gorgeous looking shot and like very effective at communicating the danger, the situation as I is like it looks fantastic. Um I don't know. It was just like a high point visually in the movie for me. It was. It was one of the few scenes they shot and that visually gave you some stakes of like, oh, they're like this the the scale of of the danger of if they if they're anywhere near this thing, it's gonna it's gonna suck them back. Yeah, it's like this looming cloud of danger, like coming at the soldiers and taking over the screen to like fill it with like this like threatening negative space and stuff. And it's like, wow, that's a <laughs> good job, Toby Hooper. <laughs> yeah, they spent some money on that one. I um. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I was going to ask you is I, I, I like that as well. And I, what what do you think about generally the well, the special effects? And then uh, I'll ask on the aliens, because I, I, I agree. I like the, the sand pit, the sand pit thing where it's really cool because when you watch people, it'll spin people around and it looks like the sand is just becoming a funnel and then people disappear into it and it rises back up and, and then it's like perfectly smooth again. And I was like, yeah, I'm I, not sure how they did that. It looks really I would cool. Say, I would love to watch a feature on how they did that because um, it looks fantastic. Um, and it really seems like people get sucked in and quickly yeah. replaces back to normal. And, Fucking um, Rinaldi. Rinaldi fell <laughs> off the, the wall and that's Rinaldi, how we lost him. That was the name <laughs> of my dentist when I was a kid. <laughs> So I'd like to think this guy survived and went on to become a dentist in uh in Rhode Island. <laughs> Who, David or Rinaldi? Rinaldi. <laughs> no, they shoot him. He's he's fucking dead. <laughs> he's absolutely not in my heart. <laughs> and not in the general's heart. <laughs> oh, not in the general's heart at all. General general General's got like pictures of him on his walls like for the next 40 years. <laughs> I think he has a back tattoo with Rinaldi's face. You'll never, you'll never leave me again. Uh, so, so you're asking bits <laughs> about the special effects on the alien. Yeah, sorry. Well, just like the, the rest of the special effects, because you're right. Like, I think, I think you said it was Stan Winston, right? Um, yeah. Like the, the, that's a that's a giant name. I and mean, so Stan Winston, the next year, I think he's doing, I think he's doing the suit for Predator in '87, or maybe maybe even in '86 when when they when they're filming. But uh, yeah, so I'm curious. You never quite know how much actual involvement, like where he worked on him stuff or, or what. But or, yeah. Um, yeah, so. I and think, John Dykstra, sorry, and John Dykstra's. That's a yeah. huge, two huge names. Um, the aliens themselves, they show, they show like two or three of them. And th- I like the design 
they look kind of gross. They look very alien, um, but they don't move well and they're extremely plotting and non-threatening. Now, I think that's intentional to not be terrifying to a kid, but it also is a little laughable <laughs> at times. Oh, yeah. It, it, when yeah. the army guys are like facing down with them, it's like these things move like... <laughs> They, they move like, slow. slower than like a yeah. sloth. Like, yeah, they, there's like, and, and, and they don't have any real weapons outside of that copper, copper bazooka. Well, it's like, oh, yeah, it's they're not, but then their weapon is like kind of overpowered for like the, they feel this like thing. I don't know if it's on their body, or it's like the predator's it's weapon, uh, but like cannon, shoulder cannon. Yeah, yeah they uh, stick uh, copper in it. Um, Oh, do you so you think that's where Stan Winston like got the uh shoulder cannon idea from from working Fuck, on it? I never thought about that, but yeah, maybe he just was like, Well, that movie kind of sucks, but I'm gonna take that. That's a, that's a cool idea. Really into shoulder cannon well, but that, for a that's, couple years. That's I mean, to your point, like hey, you know, I mean, I hadn't thought about it, but you you you, you raise a good point that the juxtaposition between this and Predator, Predator's scary because it, it can cloak himself. You don't know where he's gonna be. It it's powerful, it can move fast, it's fa- it can run faster than a human being, and it's like that's scary because you really don't ever have stakes for like or, or any idea like what you're up against, and it feels like you're fighting something impossible. And like these are it, the polar opposites. Ex- exact opposite. <laughs> it looks like a Goomba from Mario or something like that. Yeah, it's slow. It's like that level of threat. I was like, yeah, like uh, like I, I kept thinking um, to your point on the aliens. There's a scene when they go into the the spaceship, and they meet two of these aliens. And one of one of the scientists that's given David all this gravitas for no reason goes over and he's like, we just have to communicate with them. We have to talk to them. And that's how we'll we'll fix all of this. And so he, he's going and talking to these two animals that look like they have like a shark's mouth on legs. And he's standing between them. And there's no sense that he's actually in danger. And it's just no, so strange it, that they, yeah. they do that. Like, it's such a weird setup to... I thought I, I kept thinking like no they're going to show him get eaten nope never happens and, and yeah they just throw not it like highlights how non threatening they they feel it's a, it's a mistake and it's like a I point think, where like people are laughing in the theater like yeah these things at the moment like yeah which speaking of speaking of those aliens we didn't touch on it but there's a, a lot of fun that uh, Louise Fletcher is doing as as the teacher <laughs> at once she's been possessed. Where they they have her periodically, like whenever David's near the spaceship, she always seems to kind of check in, since the aliens don't speak English, obviously, and she's <laughs> sort of the she's sort of like the exposition tool for yeah. for a lot of the aliens' backstory, and uh, I, I do laugh because when David escapes, I guess they're they're trying to bring him to Krang, their their leader, who, who comes out of the <laughs> who, ceiling. That, those effects Krang. are good on that. Yeah, it looks, looks pretty good. Uh, yeah. But uh, um. It seems like by accident she gets bumped and then she trips and falls into the mouth of one of the aliens and they yeah. just keep eating her. And so he just eats her. And the other one's laughing his ass off, which I thought was hilarious too. I actually rewound it at that point. <laughs> it's like, did I miss something of like how or why she gets eaten? And it's like, no, she just kind of gets eaten. It's, it's like she falls in like, and they're like, well, might as well not stop eating her. <laughs> it seems like she has gotten like a little cocky of like, I am like the voice of these aliens. And it's almost like, this is my plan. I'm like part of this. And they're like, all right, lady, yeah. that's cool. It's like, no, that no, no. The we're, the, I could, we're I, the I aliens. Could take too. 
was like, yeah, they're like, all right, we don't really need you anymore. We're going to just eat you and it'd be done with it. But it's like, okay, that's a choice. <laughs> you explained enough of our evil plan. <laughs> did, what about, uh, so, I, so I liked the sand effects. I did not, I personally did not like the aliens just because I think they could have made them. It's tough, right? Like if you make them too powerful or too scary, it goes away from a kid's movie or you have to recalibrate all the stuff with David being in their, in their ship. Right. Yeah. Um, but I, I did enjoy the ship itself. It's interesting. It's kind of this mix of like this. It's not as interesting as like a, uh, HR Giger set up in alien, but it's, it's kind of got some, some interesting personality. It, it's funny. Cause they, they light it like it's a fucking carnival though. Cause it's just <laughs> bright colored lights. And then there's spotlights that they use at times and stuff like that. So I thought that was funny. Yeah, it's it's a lot of the things in this movie. It's like the kid version, like you're talking about, like the aliens. It's like the kid version of something cool you've seen before. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's like even the opening credits, um, which I think are good. They have like the names kind of swoop in, like UFOs. You point out they're the Superman credits. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's uh, what it reminded me. Of. I, I was I was reading about the Superman four thing, and I was like, where have I seen this? Like, oh yeah, it's all the Salkins Superman. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I um I I like special effects. It does feel like a lot of the money went into that because yeah, the sets themselves and, are not that interesting otherwise. Um and to, so with the aliens it feels like they paid to have them designed and then ran out of, of ran out of the budget yeah. to like then use them properly of yeah. yeah. There was one prop I, I thought looked pretty bad, though. It made me laugh. I guess it's like their tunneling device. And they <laughs> yeah. use it to break through when um, Linda and David are in the Freddy's lair, Freddy Krueger's lair. <laughs> they go into a boiler room of a school, which is, to me, is just weird. Uh, and it looks exactly like the the set of Nightmare on the Street Part 1. And uh, it's a thing that bores its way up through the floor. And it's like this yeah. big sort of uh, ball with blades coming off of it. And uh, I I laughed at that because it's coming at the military and they just just like what do we do and then the kid just like, lays down and just goes over him. It's like okay, there's really really no threat as long as you're not an idiot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, and, it's like uh, video game rules. Uh, which although that I think one of my favorite parts of the movie is when they're in that boiler room. There's two cops who have been taken over by the aliens <laughs> who are chasing them, and uh, I definitely have that like Hitchcock fear of the police. To a, a bit of like, I just want nothing to do with like police. It just uh, is nothing like a, good people with arbitrary power over me. Um, that like, yeah, nothing. I, I don't see any good thing coming from inter that interaction. Uh, so like, it's always really effective in a movie to me where like corrupt or like possessed police officers are like coming after people. It's always very threatening. So yeah. they're coming, but. And uh, something that actually feels like it'd be from like a modern movie of like making a commentary on something was like, it's okay. We're the police. We're here to help. And then they immediately draw their guns. <laughs> no no point about them. <laughs> like, no suspense. So it's funny, but like, oh, it's like it feels like a, like a 2019 commentary. <laughs> well, and the worst part is like, you don't even know if they've really turned or not. I don't think at that point, or like you assume because they draw their guns, they've turned. But I'm like, oh, no, I'm not so, but, I'm not so sure. So then, then, then that drill comes up and kind of saves them. <laughs> yeah, which is like bizarre. I, uh, all of the people who are like, um, not background actors, but it's like the, the police. 
those two utility guys the, in the orange jumpsuits, yeah. like all of those people, I would love to know what the instructions were they were given in terms of like how to play <laughs> being possessed by these aliens because they're 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 like a thirteen every time they're on screen <laughs> of being possessed. Yeah. yeah, and then you've got James Karen who's like at a constant ten, and it's just like man, they're whoever was talking to them and gave them. I, I don't feel like it's Toby Hooper, but maybe it was. Maybe they, maybe that was what they thought they were going to get for tone, but it just felt like they're like, yeah, go big, go big on everything yeah. you. I think like, the thing like, is, the kids' movie, so we got to like, it's we got to be a notch above where you'd be at for an adult version of this. Like, and they were, they fucking delivered on that, didn't they? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah. they're they're in this alien spaceship, and the army has brought like this bomb, so they're going to like blow it up. Um, I guess I guess we've left out. Uh, we need <laughs> to get too far into this, but like David's parents are in there, and like, but I don't like. I, I don't know how much that matters. Uh, but so the army is leaving this bomb, I hope I, I and hope we, we both pick, we both pick <laughs> this out, which I'm very happy to see because just the way they do it is so glaring. Um, the general tells the guys in the bombs, "All right, set it for five minutes, so we have time to like get out of here," and. The guy, the guy sent the bomb types in five zero zero and then like a close up, it starts counting <laughs> down and it goes four ninety nine, four ninety-eight. And it's like that's not how minutes work, buddy. Yeah, I was like, I don't that's not even like a golden globe that's not understanding culture. That's like somebody on set being like, I don't know how to fix this, and nobody fucking cares. We're just gonna go with it. Well, and even I said I think trying to remember if the general's line is off screen or if he's on screen saying five minutes no he says five minutes it's not right right i didn't know i can't remember if his adr or i think he actually see him say it but i think it's one of those things it's like we we don't want to spend the the 10 we don't want to spend like the 10 15 grand to fix this like oh it's exactly it's exactly who cares like i uh no that was that was my that was that was one of the funnier parts to me because i'm like well you i think the math was like you actually just got to give him eight and a half minutes. Yeah. <laughs> which is closer to what the actual time of what, what goes on after this. Well, case, it but... actually seems like what they needed. <laughs> yeah. I, um, same scene. Uh, I laughed my ass off. So once, cause right after that, they placed the bomb. I laughed at that, uh, where the timer is, is actually 500 seconds, not five minutes. And then, uh, they're, they're trying to get out of the spaceship. They have to run up this big sort of hill to get back up onto the top of this, on top of Copper Hill out of the spaceship. And it's like probably half the military guys are still alive and they're shooting their way out. And then Linda and David, because they've rescued Linda now. And I laughed so hard because James Karen, who's supposed to be this like badass general, he's running, he runs away and then like leaves Linda and David and they all just take off. And he's like, you go save her, man, go save her. (laughs) And it's just like, you fucking pussy, man, go back and help her yourself. Like he just like, jets he's like i'm done i'm out of here like I, i'm not helping anybody i've done my part it's just it's just funny because he just plays such a weird character and everything i've seen him in he just plays such a weird character and it's like he plays this more like the guy he was he, he plays in um, return of the living dead than like a you know uh george c scott as general Patton. Or <laughs> that. like with which is kind of what you needed probably more for this for this movie so it's just an interesting choice. Now I'm imagining George C. Scott in this role. It's very funny. Well, I mean, see. from from seeing uh, Firestarter, like we talked about earlier, I, I bet it bet in nineteen eighty six he was up for it. He probably had some grandkids going to college and he wanted to pay he those did. bills and he was probably game. So Oh man. 
<clears throat> what could have been? <laughs> well, he was he was in Poltergeist three in nineteen nineteen ninety, I think. You mean uh, Exorcist three? Yeah, sorry, sorry, yeah. Exorcist three. I mean, he might have been in Poltergeist three too. Yeah, I, I'm he, not. he could be. Was there a, was there a third? Was that the one with Tom Skerritt? Oh yeah, I can. That sounds right, but I've seen it I'd one to... time. It was really sad. I think that was the one that where the girl who played Carol Ann like died, or she was very sick during the movie, and then died oh, like geez. immediately after filming. It that was is... sad. It was like a very yeah. That's depressing. You know the backstory. It's like I don't want to watch this movie anymore. Um, um, but yeah, speaking of Toby Hooper, Poltergeist. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's true too. See, it's all interconnected. Time is a flat Which, circle. So I guess like that is a good movie. Um, and I, 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 to your point, <laughs> yes, we were talking is. about the difference of having Spielberg producing <laughs> versus Golden Globus. Like, <laughs> you probably have somebody who with Spiel. I mean, I, uh, probably is an understatement, but you probably have the difference of somebody. And you just mentioned a really good example. Hey, we did this on the day, and now when we're looking at it in post, and we're we're trying to edit this together, you probably have somebody who was smart enough, like Spielberg, to say, "Yeah, let's go ahead and spend the extra money." And let's fix yeah. this thing, or let's reshoot it a little bit, or let's tweak it, or we can cut it this way to make it work. Golden Globe was are like just trying to package it to get it out the door. They're not; they're just trying to right. make a product, well, not it's not make also there. It's all it's the problem of like they're also kind of funding this, or like the people like everything's the on the production line decisions That's the problem. Are also everything's the bottom on the line. line people. Whereas yeah. you have like Spielberg, you have someone with the clout to say, "Hey, we need half a million dollars more." And I and, promise and they're going to get it. Yeah, I promise it will make the difference at the box office because yeah, it'll like this scene's not playing and it has to like, and so yeah, that I don't think Golden Globes ever gave any any credence to where they needed to play this play up certain certain pieces of this. It feels like it does feel like they they took a bucket and they're like, all right we're going to put all the products we need for a, 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 an important movie or like a big movie in this. So I was like, all right, we're going to dump in a good director. We're going to dump in some pretty good acting. We're going to dump in uh, a story that worked, you know, is a, is a reboot. We're going to dump in, you know, great visual effects guys. And they're expecting it's going to just mix into this amazing movie, but it's like, well, that's not how the magic of it kind of comes together. Like you need vision and you need a lot of other things and you need probably some serendipity to some extent for all this to go right um and it's that's the formula is like they keep thinking if they just dump these elements and they spend money on them they dump these elements in they're going to just get a product that's amazing but it's just not how i think movies come together it just doesn't work like that and it's funny that they keep on the on the big ones they do they just keep doubling down on that same thing and like it just never works just never happens it's almost that for the bigger you go the more of a mess it makes yeah and the smaller they, you are, the chance you have that actually does actually coalesce into something like on the day, on the sets, like through editing that, wow, that actually turned out way better than you would have expected for the budget and the production style. But when you keep adding like bigger things, they just become more glaring that they're not. They're not up for it. They can't do you, it. They're not working together the way they should be. Right. And I, I um. I'm trying to think of what the expression is, but there's something with uh, uh, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna screw the expression up. So I'll I'll, I'll just say that there was a sense that for Golden Globus, some of their I mean I, I think some of their best stuff comes from when they don't have big budgets because their their lack of funding kind of forces either some creativity or at least at least you're gonna get something interesting. Yeah, but 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 here it's like 
you spend a lot of money, you you get some maybe some cool effects, but like you, the movie itself is to me, I think its biggest sin is it's boring. And I think you know if you give them twelve million dollars, they're going to spend twelve million dollars. If you give them a million dollars, they're going to spend a million dollars. You can make the budget wherever you want, but if if you don't have the right, if you haven't figured out how the pieces need to come together, it doesn't it doesn't matter how much money you spend. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Water Water World's a great example of that, right? <laughs> Man, I haven't seen that in a while. I remember not hating that, but it's uh, not terrible. But it's also it's it, a, to me, like, it's the same thing. It's boring. It's, it's, it's the it's, money. Like yeah. yeah, like we spent a ton of money, and and it was like, I, I hope James Cameron doesn't do that with Avatar. The box office. I mean, Avatar two came out uh, two days ago, right? Yeah, I'm hearing good things. Uh, I I I wasn't a big fan of the first one. I hope for because it's James Cameron, it does well. Um, uh, but I also think there's been this big talk of like, well, the budget was this, the budget was this, the budget was this. And it's like, well, just because you spend $250 million doesn't mean you deserve to get it back or doesn't mean it's going to be worth getting it back. And I think I got that sense that that's how Golan Globus approached this. Like the more money we put in, the more money we will make. And it's like, well, that's not really that how the formula actually works. Yeah. <laughs> so Let's um, see. trying to see if there's uh, any numbers up. I thought it was like 150 too. million domestic through that was the projections for the weekend. It was I I think or or like they needed it to yeah, do nothing. 150 to 175 in the first weekend. Oh wow, okay. I'm surprised there's not more. But uh it, they're saying the Friday it did 53 million Friday. Which is pretty good for a single day. Um cuz it was which, midnight release, right? It, um yeah, so that just depends did everyone who want to see it see Go it see the it. first day and then it's going to yeah. drop or our Saturday and Sunday because they're the weekend day is going to be bigger. I don't know. Um, that, that's, that's, that's the weird thing. about, And then they, I saw this too in an article I was reading post COVID. It's very hard to predict um, box office just given. Yeah. Given like, especially with China too, I guess China's still pretty heavily locked down for COVID again. So there's a lot of doubt that they're going to see as big of a pop for the movie overseas because because of COVID restrictions, so I'm, I'm I'm curious. Like I said, I like James Cameron. I, I wasn't a huge fan of the Avatar movies. I hope it does well, just for him, especially yeah, since well, it's, if it's he's going to become... book the next decade of his career, which is arguably the last decade of his career. Yeah, it's it, going to just be consumed by Avatar. It, I hope it does well. I hope it's at least good. I, I'd hate to see. I mean, I, there's a lot of stuff out there. I don't know how nice of a person he is. Uh, there are stories out there about him, but yeah, yeah. As far as he, for his career as a filmmaker, yeah, I would hate to see this flop and like those other movies like get pulled or scaled back or taken away or like yeah. I don't know. He's done so much; it'd be nice for to see him get to go out on this crazy vision that he has for this. I think that's my frustration with with Avatar is like I didn't particularly like the first one. I'm not a big proponent of just CGI everything, which I know that's visually what they're going for. You kind of have to, but I wish. James Cameron has shown a pretty good range in terms of what he can do with action movies and, and even mixing comedy in and sci-fi. I just wish that for the ending of his career, it's like, we're going to get some more variety of not just Avatar, but it's like, okay, maybe I'll get like another True Lies or maybe I'll get another, you know, hmm. uh, Aliens. Or like, I wish there was more, we we're, there's a chance we're going to get more of that part of him. And, and, you know, in some yeah, more movies. But it's crazy like, wake world he's lost himself in. Of yeah, because you know you look at IMDb and it's like he's booked through like 2028 on Avatar I'm stuff. These. Yeah. And I'm like, man, I was like, I, guess, I mean, 
good for him, but it also kind of sucks because if, if you don't he's just love done it, so much. yeah, if you yeah, don't love, it's like yeah, I get like I, I mean I liked the first one, enjoyed it, and like it's one of the coolest theater experiences I've ever had. Just the technology at that time and the 3D was the best 3D god I'd ever seen, um, probably still have ever seen. Um, and so that's so that so for this one, like my kids still haven't seen the original, so I'm trying to find a time here for them to watch it because i'd really like to take them to the theater to see this new the one sequel. just yeah. i think it's, i think it's going to be a really cool theater experience um for that but yeah if you're not if like you're not, you don't love it it's like and it's a filmmaker you love it's like oh like he's gonna like we're just this is what we're gonna get from him for the next like he's like I, okay yeah i i guess i i have to give marvel credit where credit's due they've ruined the whole franchise shit for me because it's <laughs> like i just it's just because that that that's like becoming people's careers now it's like well it's I, it's funny i had the exact same thought of like oh it's kind of like when there's like an actor you like or a director you like it, you're really curious to see what they do next and then it's announced like oh they're going to be in the next marvel stuff and so it's like oh so that's okay. going to suck up like five years of their career now yeah that, i like, mean because i'm happy for them they're going to get paid like it's going to set them up for life i'm sure but oh from a creative standpoint like yeah like okay fine that's that's what i'm i'm it kind of bums me out is um there's a that it's just you're getting cameron probably when he can wield his power or maybe a little bit after but like wield the most power he can and you're just gonna not get anything different right like i mean you know not like my favorite movie but like even titanic's a good example like it's a love story which is very out of his wheelhouse but it was a very successful <laughs> movie and he made it because i think he has a, a passion and a dedication to what he's doing and he wanted to tell the story and, and so he could build this and he had he, and he could collect the resources because of his gravitas he could kind of collect those resources yeah. to build something well, at that same scale talk about somebody being able to take the time and have the yeah. clout to say it's not ready. We're gonna keep working on it. Like, yeah, no, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm glad. I mean, he, he he's in a he's, <laughs> he's in a very rare position for he's the to exact have that. opposite of Golden Globus. <laughs> exactly, and I, I think it's it's but, a shame. To, it's just a shame to me that like we're probably gonna see, we're not gonna get to me like what I would consider the stuff that made me really enjoy James Cameron movies. Yeah, uh, as a kid, it's gonna just be franchise. Yeah, it's, and it's, it's like I'll spend ten years making this perfect in Golden and Globuses. We will rise and fall within that time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's that's true. I mean, yeah, Cameron. I mean, it's crazy because in 1980, 1981, he's a he's a matte painting guy on Escape from New York when Golden Globus are are uh, taking off, and then you skip ahead to the end of the decade. And he's made The Abyss, which is a huge movie, and Golden Globus are going yeah. bankrupt. It's like yeah. in a span of nine years, his career is like done this, and Golden Globus is just, you know, literally <laughs> plowing into the ground. It's crazy. All right. Uh, so, Invader from Mars, could, could, could you tell me what happens at the end of this movie? I was about to ask you the same question. Yes. What do you want to hypothesize? <laughs> I got it you first. Uh, I, well, it's, it's like a Friday the 13th ending, right? Like, like they set up the, um, and, and just to kind of close it out, right? The, the whole ending is the military puts the bomb or the army puts the bomb or no, they're the Marines. I'm sorry. They're really big on this. They're the Marines. <laughs> they put the 500 second, five minute bomb on the, on the spaceship spaceship 
begins to take off. David is being chased by his family because the military has basically left him to like, get himself <laughs> out of the ship. And he's running across the field. His parents are chasing him and they catch him just over the, the edge of the hill, like just over the ridge by their house. And uh, they're fighting with him, trying to pull him back to the spaceship. Spaceship takes off and then blows up. And, and it's revealed that it's almost like vampire rules, right? Like as soon as <laughs> the ship blows up, the, the, the little node in people's necks uh, explodes and then they're back to normal and there's no, they're fine. Right. They're, they're, they're old selves, even though they've got a gaping flaming hole in the back <laughs> yeah. of their neck <laughs> with like alien electronics. inside. Yeah. So it's like, I'm sure there's no infection uh, <laughs> yeah. from that. Uh, so then they kind of set up as like, everything's going to be back to normal, but then it cuts to like another, it seems like they cut ahead in time to another night and, David's watching as was he watching the rain or something like that outside the outside the the window yeah, it's like another storm again or... yeah and so it, it's weird it almost feels like they're trying to skip back so I can't tell if that's supposed to be a dream sequence because it's like he's waking up from a dream so it already feels like it's a dream sequence off of what happened they show you at the end of the movie like what you think is the actual natural conclusion and then they reveal then they do something where he's having nightmares and he thinks he sees the spaceship come back and land behind Copper Hill. And so in the middle of the storm, he runs screaming to his parents' bedroom and he opens the door and it freeze frame on him screaming or whatever he sees in his parents' bedroom. And it, I'm not sure if it's supposed to be a dream within a dream or, or, or if it's just <laughs> trying to scare like, like one more way to scare kids. Yeah. But, uh, I, I, it sounds like those really slow walking big shark head alien things are just like hanging out in his parents' bedroom. So I'm going to assume I like, I know where you're going to go with this. I like yours better. I'm just going to assume that like those Goomba things came back and are just like eating his parents. Yeah. <laughs> Which is like what probably like a little kid is going to think too. But I think yours, <laughs> I think yours is going to be better than mine. Oh, I don't even remember it. Mine. It was mine. He just, Oh yeah. Yeah, see his parents doing having it. a threesome, having a threesome oh, with Linda. <laughs> yeah, so the the nurse that he has a a intimate um relationship with across this movie is 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 begging his parents, which I thought was a much funnier, much funnier thing for him to see and freak out of her. And, and he created this also whole probably a much more realistic alien invasion story to explain why he yeah. saw them having a threesome. Yeah, I uh, I thought that was a much funnier one. I I I, I didn't like the ending i think i think you could kind of give it a spielberg ending and just let it end on a high note that his parents like his family's reunited and everything's okay i don't think you need to end it on this well ambiguous sequence of i dream think sequence like thing. making it a dream yeah dream is a little weak so but then they tack on that he goes to his parents room and screams so that it's like maybe it wasn't a dream it's like yeah just leave him with his parents and like, yeah and that's fine like, i mean it'd be better that's how it opens and i think that's a good ending is it opens with him and his dad looking at the stars in their backyard. Leave it with them looking back at the stars in the oh, backyard, like but they're, they're back together. I like that because it kind of is like now a shift where like this thing they bonded over is now like threatening. Exactly. And I think that uh, I think that's a cleaner ending. I Yeah. Again, Friday the 13th did it and it was like they did it for the first one. And it was a good jump scare of like, oh, it's a dream sequence. And actually the ending we showed you is maybe not real and they do it for the second one it works pretty well and they keep doing it for a while and it's like well at some point it feels like they're just doing it because 
the last one did it and they just have to and this one feels like the golden globus just gave that direction of like do this and it doesn't make a lot of sense but do it anyway yeah <laughs> i wasn't sure if that maybe if, if that's something they pull from the original you think or is that it's is, been too is, long since i've seen the original okay. I, I was trying to remember that too especially with the ending and i i I meant to go back and revisit it, but never get a chance. Um, Cause yeah, I, I really wanted to see like, are they just kind of sticking with the story? Or, and I, I, yeah, I don't can't answer your question. I guess it's the short. Uh, fair. I mean, it, it's, it's just one of those where I think it's a, it's a weird choice. I don't think it quite works. Um, I think they're trying to go for one last, uh, not trying to, they're going for one last scare, but yeah, it, it, they don't give you enough. I don't think to make you, it's just confusing. Yeah, like that is scary. Make you be scared. Like I'm not. Yeah. Like you don't. They, they don't leave enough there for you to be like. There's no thread that's hung around after the ship is left to make you think there's something I should be scared of that could still happen. Yeah, yeah. So it's um, even Golden uh, Globus managed to fuck up a dream sequence. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so I think we both agreed for like ten percent of the budget, we'd want to add another kid. I would, I would, re, I would rescript it with two kids instead of an adult and a kid. Uh, I think yeah, that I, makes I think for a better movie. Yeah, I, I think that would actually help, help a lot um, of making it interesting tension. Um, so I think we both agreed on that. I, I, uh, I, I don't have a great one for this, but uh, <laughs> putting put Carwellers in the movie. <laughs> I liked your answer. I thought it made, made me made me laugh. I don't give a shit if anybody else likes it. And I laughed my ass off. <laughs> uh, so I was well. <laughs> I had just putting him in as Rinaldi. <laughs> <laughs> no, you said you were going to put him in as Linda, and I was like, I like, I like that. Like, <laughs> oh well, I, had, I in my notes I had Rinaldi or Linda or David. <laughs> Would you make <laughs> the, I Linda is like the funny choice? Yeah, the Linda's Linda one's a woman. it is really like destroys it. Like really highlight our point of like there's no tension because now he has Carl Weathers helping him. <laughs> But would you make it Carl Weathers in a blonde wig? Like it's still oh, a, he's playing a, like a, a school, petite, the same character. Nurse. Yeah, he's still a, playing Linda. Everything is the same about Linda, except it's it's a it's Carl large Weathers black man to... playing it. <laughs> it's, it's a is a middle aged uh, woman working in a school as a school nurse. <laughs> it just is a challenge for Carl Weathers just to play yeah. this role of like yeah, like no voice inflection doesn't change his voice. He's just Carl Weathers wearing a wig. <laughs> That's what I imagine in my head. It makes me laugh. I mean, it would make it more entertaining. I don't think it'd make it a better movie. But oh no, I, I don't give a shit. I, I would still watch it. It makes me it makes me laugh. I didn't. Wow. I didn't have a good role for him. I didn't know where to put him other than maybe like the general, because James Karen is playing this like yeah, border, borderline slapstick. So maybe maybe put some something more serious there, <laughs> so that you you have a pretty good actor in in Louise Fletcher playing the teacher as the evil one. You you need kind of a counterbalance to that on the good side well i was and almost going to put him been... in for her but i was like well i can't take the best actor no, out of the she, movie just to yeah. replace it like it'd be fun to see him in that role but like what's what am i what am i getting from uh, i want more bang for my buck if i'm gonna <laughs> <laughs> add another talented actor to this movie it's yeah. I, I feel this exercise is really highlighting 1980s hollywood not writing a lot of roles for uh black men <laughs> <laughs> Which uh, you sent it to me. I need to. I have uh, my Xbox isn't working. Um, I was out of work and out of work. I was I was home from work for uh, a medical thing this week, and you sent me a copy of Action Jackson. I need to watch Hell it yeah. again. Um, because uh, that's that's Carl Weathers' breakout. Supposed to be his breakout um uh, series, which unfortunately didn't didn't result in him having a breakout. What is funny though, and I want to go back and check this, but 
like nine tenths of the cast of Die Hard is also in that movie. <laughs> like all of all of Hans Gruber's henchmen are like stunt guys that are in that movie. Nice. <laughs> like Al Leong's in it. Um, there's somebody else. Uh, I can't remember. I think it's the the kind of country guy that gets that that makes it to the end too, who plays the security guard and that. Like there's like uh, okay. a, there's just yeah. a bunch yeah, of that guys sounds right. Yeah, who are diehard villains who also are now Craig T. Nelson's. <laughs> Like goons in, in, in Action Jackson. In that movie. <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah, Craig T. Nelson is a bad guy. Is a pretty good. He's a pretty good bad guy because he seems like he could be like he can cut both ways. Right? He can. I can see him like, all right, he's a pretty nice guy, or he's like a pretty big douchebag. <laughs> like, I'm it, not it, sure which it, way it's gonna go. Because he seems like he could be a nice guy, it makes it more like sinister. Yeah. When he turn, uh, like, oh, now I don't know what he's capable. Like, yeah. Yeah. Because like, you feel like he could trick somebody into like, yeah. But like even in like the movie Get Hard. I mean, this is Will Ferrell <laughs> comedy, right? But he he technically is the bad guy, and like you like him for the first thirty minutes, and then it's revealed that he's he's the guy who like fucked over Will Ferrell's character. But it's like yeah, and you believe both parts of it, like yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like even even in um, I'm gonna bring it back to Poltergeist again. And Poltergeist, <laughs> Craig Craig T. Nelson is the dad. Is like he's not always the most likable guy, as I recall in that. But then at the end of it, you really feel the emotion he has for his family and and, and how he will give anything he can to save his kids. And it's like, I I, I like Craig T. Nelson, I guess. I, I guess that's what I'm going yeah. with. <laughs> and yeah, I want to watch yeah. Action Jackson. I was like, Craig T. Nelson has real vibes of like, oh, that's the guy who used to be my dad's friend, but now we don't see him anymore. Yeah. <laughs> something that guy's, happened. That guy's on his third divorce, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Like, um. Anyway, see, so yeah, I, I, uh, you're right. There's not a lot of roles for for uh, Carl Weathers in the 1980s that probably. I mean, yeah, it explains a lot of. <laughs> well, I mean, th- th- this reinforces the. If there's a if there's like a hypothesis that we could have laid out for this entire run for canon, it's like, oh, canon hates women, and I think yeah, yeah. the next movie is going to be a lot more than <laughs> we watch Good New Year's Evil. Because they really hate the the female <laughs> But I feel that it wasn't um it wasn't quite as you know solidified into their philosophy yet uh, when they were making it. It was more a scattershot hatred as opposed <laughs> to a, a production philosophy that more seemed programmed to develop. into it. Yeah, yeah. that's fair. Uh, it was there. It was there, but they hadn't quite uh you know fully developed it yet over like they will over the years. <laughs> Um, yeah, so let's see, what are the categories? Um, I guess, what would you, I think we hit them all, right? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think so. Carl Weathers budget. And then, uh, I guess we had your ratings. What would you rate this? Um, uh, I think I want to say, I want to stay consistent. Um, although I may have, may have just not rated it when I, uh, logged it on letterbox stuff. You didn't cause I checked. Okay. Well, damn. I was uh, creeping on you. <laughs> Let me see. I'll check my notes. I'm sure. I'll go. You want, you, you want to go? Okay. I think I had two Maybe. out of five. Uh, no, that was. That's, is that yours? God damn. Yeah, I, I was two out of five. Great podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> well, our problem is we mix our notes together, and so it's like unless you understand yeah. what you wrote, it's like. Uh, it's no, I I did three out of five school boiler rooms. Um, <laughs> I definitely think I enjoyed it more more than you, but I'm probably maybe more of a I don't know. Would you say I'm more of a sci-fi person than you are? Yeah, I think so. I also think that um, I wish 
I had wa I've wa I'd seen the original because you you spoke fairly highly of that. And I, I, part of me is wondering if if maybe I would have given this a little bit more credit if um yeah it's, it's I had nice. the context if you have enjoying. some affection and seen an updated version you kind of yeah and I I liked I saw this as a kid and again it, it what stuck with me as a kid was the teacher was very scary Louise Fletcher's character is very scary the yeah. stuff with the parents and not being able to trust your parents seemed terrifying too and and, and the it, this is it, it's like an invasion of the body snatchers for kids it's probably the easiest yeah. like 30 second pitch for this movie it's really effective as a kid i think as an adult i really did not remember how boring this was for <laughs> me at parts and as an adult again watching it it's i wasn't watching it from the same mindset that the, the first time i saw it, so it just didn't, yeah. didn't land and, and resonate i think you probably feel more stakes if you're a kid but as an adult you just doesn't feel the tension that that you want yeah i um I gave it uh, two out of five uh, Rinaldi's. <laughs> <laughs> so, Rinaldi. I can't wait to like, listen to this episode in like a year and be like, I'm just going to be like, what the fuck was Rinaldi? I don't even know. Yeah, what I know. <laughs> like, what are they talking about? Um, yeah, it, it just it just left me a little flat. It's um, it's a shame it's not. Uh, it's your point. Or, and we talked about it, I think, on the Life Force episode. It's a shame Toby Hooper, I think, is a super talented director. I'm not sure all of that talent is shown here, not maybe for lack of trying, but he, 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 I feel like he deserved a better career maybe than he got. Uh, and yeah, this isn't like is... a good goalpost or, uh, uh, you know, like if you replay his career 10 times, this is maybe like his career was like the in the bottom 30% of what yeah, could yeah. have happened. Like, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I feel I bad. I, I, I think I think I think he's a very talented guy, and I just it's a shame that mm -hmm. this didn't deliver, perhaps up to like what I think his his capabilities were. Agreed. All, All right. right. So so you already alluded next week. Our last uh, <laughs> wrapping up the very canon Christmas with uh, with the New Year's Evil. <laughs> God, I I watched it this week, and I I need to go through what you said. I'm back excited. On. I'm excited to talk about that. One. I I can't wait. It's it's there's a lot of fun. <laughs> fun it's, stuff to talk about uh we got the the bruce jenner uh parallel in the, in the character of richard we've got um <laughs> i really can't wait i'll tell you i can't wait to talk about the uh the the character of derek in that movie because it's I, every time i watch it like, oh like that guy is just keeps it's like it's crazier he gets crazier every time i watched it and i probably watched this like three or four times now and it's like it just gets weirder and weirder so i'm pretty yeah. pumped about it because i think <laughs> this is it's 1980 um i will be out near la for for new year's eve so maybe oh, i'll that's see right. maybe i'll see richard you can go on a tour of all the locations <laughs> yeah and, and i I'm, I'm excited i um because i think this is it's uh golden globus bought out canon i think it was in 1979 or 1980 so this is pretty early this is the earliest we've done yeah, this is a yeah very of, early in there of, of their stuff and i think um it does not disappoint with if you hate women, this is the perfect movie for you. <laughs> so. And uh, the the other character who hates women in this movie. Yeah, I was like, and let me be clear, that's not the reason we chose the movie. Um, uh, we chose it for all the other batshit stuff that, that happens in it. Um, the music, but uh, it, the music, uh, uh, made in Japan, fantastic band. Uh, they got some new records coming out. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty excited to talk about this one. Um, it's going to be our last one for the the canon run. I think you and I were talking about maybe doing 
2022 recap as well, since we're getting yeah. to the end of the year, talking about more, maybe some more modern stuff. And then uh, we really got to figure out what we're doing next. <laughs> <after this. laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think there's plenty of things you've floated. <laughs> we'll come um, up with something delightful. My wife did suggest we do a Kurt Russell uh, renaissance. Like That'd a, be fun. What's the Santa movie he's in? Like currently? <laughs> um, yeah, he made two of them. I, I God, forget the name of them. No, but the Santa, like Santa Chronicles or something. I don't it's know. Something I know they're like on that. Netflix. Um, yeah, it's my wife. My, Anna was joking, but she's like, "You like really like?" She's like, "Did Kurt Russell make a lot of movies with one director?" And I'm like, "Yeah." And I'm like John Carpenter. And she's like, "Yeah, but did he make like uh she she can never get the name Big Trouble in Little China right?" And she's like, "Yeah, the one about you know uh, Chinatown." I'm like, "Big Trouble in Little China." She's like, "Yeah, is that John Carpenter?" I'm like, "Yeah." And she goes, "What about Escape from New York?" I'm like, "John Carpenter." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's like he, she said, well, we went and saw the thing. Who made that? I'm like, John Carpenter. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, they're the, the Christmas Chronicles. Yeah, we should just do those. Just do that. Okay. Just do After just Christmas. Only, the, only those. Just do Kurt Russell's Christmas movies. Yeah. So anyway. All right, buddy. I will right. see you next week. Uh, I look right. forward Thank just you, to ending the canon run on a high note. Oh, yeah. It's a good evil. one. <laughs>